Good afternoon. This is another episode of Dry Bones. Uh, it's been a couple of months, more than a couple, been more like seven, since uh, since I was able to get on and, and do a posting. And, and, and I wanted to stop today because the last 10 days have been uh, a marker in my life. You know, seven years, 84 months, 2,556 days, 61,360 hours, 3,681,641 minutes, and 220,898,481 seconds have passed in the last seven years. And you might wonder, why is seven years? What's he talking about? And what I'm talking about is it's been seven years since my late wife passed passed away. And during that seven years, I have experienced burnout. I have been bone tired, soul tired, hot, heart tired. Um, just a different kind of exhaustion in seven years. And people often ask me, you know, where did I find the ability to move forward? Where did I find the, the gasoline, I guess, to keep my motor running? And, you know, I want to leave, I want to tell you these things, you know, when I would say to myself, I feel like I'm alone. And there was a lot of times where I felt all alone. Hebrews 13, 15 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what God tells me. You know, people would tell me, you know, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to feel this way. It's impossible for this to happen or that to happen. Luke 18, 18, 27 tells me all things are possible. You know, I would tell myself I'm worried. I'm frustrated. I don't understand, God. Why is this happening to me? And Pete, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on me. This is God speaking to us. This is God speaking to me. Then I would think about the things that I've done wrong in the last seven years. And I trust me, in seven years, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And I have made more than my fair share in seven years. And I would say to myself, I can't forgive myself. Well, 1 John 1, 9 says, I forgive you. God forgives me for the things that I've done wrong. You know, now it's my job to go to the men and the women that I have done wrong by and ask for their forgiveness, beg them for their forgiveness. But at the end of the day, God is the only one that I need to be forgiven from. You know, Tim Keller says, in every religion, the founder points to eternal life. But because Jesus is God come in the flesh, he is eternal life. To unite with him by faith, to know him in love is to have this life, period, full stop. There is nothing else for you to achieve or attain. You know, and I thought about what does that mean to me and what's that meant to me over the last seven years? You know, when, when Dina first passed, I was lost and I stayed lost for a long, long time. You know, I went through probably the darkest two years of my entire life. You know, I'm, I'll be 43 next month. Um, almost a, exactly a month to the day, January 16th, I'll be 43 years old. And for the first two years after she was gone, 
I was as lost an individual as lost can be. I had no purpose. I had no hope. I, you know, yeah, I knew the Lord and I knew, I knew Jesus, but I felt hopeless on the inside. I felt like I was at a point in my life where I didn't know if I wanted to carry on. I frankly was to the point that I thought, you know, six years ago, really, I, I, I thought, gave some serious thought, what would this world look like without me? What would it look like without me being in it? You know, why am I here? Um, you know, it's funny that the, 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 the day that I got to that point, of course, there was a lot of alcohol involved. I was sitting on a pier in Pell City, Alabama at two o'clock in the morning with a gun in my hand in one hand and a uh, bottle of Jack Daniels in the other. And I never drink Jack Daniels. But this period, at this point in my life, that's how far down the hole I had fallen. I was drinking something that I knew I shouldn't be drinking because of the way it made me feel and the way it made me think. But I was at that point in my life where I just felt that bad. And I was sitting on this pier in the dark, two o'clock in the morning, thinking real seriously about just taking my life. And as I sat there and I stared at the moon and I thought about my, my dead wife, I thought about the kids, I thought about people, my parents, my family, my friends. At that point, I really was believing that I didn't have a purpose anymore. I had no, I had nothing to gain by staying on this earth. I just wanted the pain to end. And I was sitting there with that gun in my hand, you know, tears flowing from my eyes and my phone rang. And I answered, I didn't answer it at first. I put it, set it down on the dock and it just kept buzzing and kept buzzing and kept buzzing and kept buzzing. And I finally put the gun down and I picked the phone up and it was my dad, my father, my earthly father, my best friend, my hero. My dad was calling me because he was sitting in the truck above my house. He couldn't make out exactly what was going on, but he could see me. The way my house was set up, the driveway was above my house. And you could see down to the lake over the top of the house. And my dad said, turn around, son. And I turned around and looked up over my shoulder, and there sat my father in his truck at 2 o'clock in the morning, had no idea he was there. He'd been sitting there for a while. He said, son, I don't know what you're doing, but come up here and talk to me. So I threw the bottle in the lake. I left the gun sitting down there in my, in my little lawn chair, my hunting chair that I had sitting on the dock at the end of my pier. And I, I slowly started to walk up to the house and through the house and out the front door and then back up the stairs to where my dad was at. And I walked over to the driver's side window and rolled the window down. And you got to understand something about my dad at this point in his life. This man was recovering from a major broken leg, had a, had a cane, couldn't hardly walk. And uh, he never asked me, son, what were you doing? He never asked me about the gun. He never asked me. I know he could smell the liquor on my breath. 
all he did was tell me that, that, that he loved me and that I was better than what I was doing and that I needed to get some serious, serious rest. And then we would talk some more the next day. It was like, I didn't sober up immediately, but it was like, I kind of got a wake up call just from that little short five minute conversation with my dad. And I don't believe that I ever told him to the day he died, you know, a couple of years later that that conversation saved my life. Then two years ago, I was kind of in a low spot, you know, dad had just died. I was feeling kind of sorry for myself. I wasn't in the same place I was in six years ago, but I was still in a bad place. I, I just was, I was feeling kind of worthless. I was missing my dad. It was the holiday time of the season and a dear friend of mine reached out to me and, and she reminded me of something. She said, your perspective skewed. Your perspective is wrong. I wasn't weak. I wasn't less than I was just broken in my short time on this earth, I had seen tragedy up close. I had experienced a kind of loss that most people my age have not faced and I pray never have to face. But it didn't make me weak. It didn't make me less than. All it made me was broken. And there's nothing wrong with being a broken individual. We're all broken at some point in our life. Some of us do a really good job of hiding the cracks and the faults and the, um, you know, my grandma used to say the fault lines in her face, you know, and she would say she had this cream that would cover those fault lines up in her face to, to shot, to, to, to not show the age that she was carrying on her face. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. We're all walking around with this mask on. And some of us think that we're hiding things, that the world doesn't see us for who we truly are. And some of us, by God, are very, very good at it. We walk around looking like we're all put together. But you put a, a turd in a $5,000 suit, it's still a turd in a $5,000 suit. You get what I'm saying? You know, until we're prepared to face down these things, face down the lies that we get told that if I admit to this, I'm going to be perceived to be weak. If I admit to this, people are going to look at me differently. If I admit to this, I'm not going to be taken seriously in business anymore. If I admit to this, I'm somehow less than what I'm supposed to be and what the world defines me as. Well, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter what the world defines you as. What matters is, is what God and Jesus Christ defines you as. Okay, I am a broken individual, I'm not shy about it. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not perfect. Okay, I, I am not. I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> okay, but the thing that I know, I know that Jesus Christ is in my heart. I know that he's in my life. I know that he's watching out for me and my family. I know that I'm broken. I know that I've seen tragedy and God is putting me back together slowly, but surely every time I come to him and I say, God, I'm broken. I can't do this. God puts another little piece back in my puzzle. He takes me, he ta he's taken me apart and putting me back together so many times 
And every time he does, I'm different. I'm changed. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, you're going to face tragedy, but how are you going to react to it? Are you going to allow it to break you down and get you to stay there where the enemy wants you to stay there and hide the light that God's trying to shine through your life? Or are you going to get up off your knees, put yourself back together? Now, when you put yourself back together, brother and sister, it ain't necessarily going to be in the same order in which you were in before you were broken. And that's okay. It's, it's the story that comes out of the brokenness is what's so important. Don't be afraid to share your story. Don't be afraid to take the mask off and show the cracks in your foundation. You know, when you're looking for a new house, the worst thing you want to do is find a house. That, you're not going to buy a house that's got a broken foundation. God doesn't look at us that way. Thank God he doesn't. Because if he did, none of us would be able to be saved. None of us would be healed. None of us would see victory. God doesn't work that way, and I praise him for not working that way. We have to continue to let the light shine into the darkness. We have to remove the stigma that grown men and women can't share how they feel, especially men. Guys, we have to tell folks how we feel, okay? And I'm not saying in some some tea-sipping, unmanly way, the most manly people that I know, or grown men that can say, hey, man, you hurt my feelings, or this bothers me. You know, can we pray about this together? Can we talk about this? Because it's the guys that don't talk about it. And I used to be one of those guys that would just try to shove it down, shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. And eventually it gets puked back up in, in a couple of different ways. Anger, violence, bitterness, uh, cursing, just all kinds of just disreputable behavior. You know, it's that stigma of men can't share how they feel or what they're going through. Our lives are complicated enough without having to constantly adjust our mask, adjust our personas to meet other people's expectations and goals. We just have to be who we are. Be who God has made you to be. And, and that person that you started out in, as like I said a while ago, is not necessarily going to be in the same shape that you're in. When you finish, you know, I heard a writer, Steve Farrar is one of my favorite Christian writers, men's writers. I heard him speak at a, at a conference once a couple of years before I lost Dina. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, man, it's not about how you start the race. You don't have to be the fastest, the prettiest horse when the race starts. What matters the most is how we finish, you know? It's, it's, it's how we finish the race. It's how we complete the journey that God has put us on. It's how we, how we share this journey with others, how we um, begin to describe this, this, this brokenness that's inside of all of us. It's shedding the light on it. You know, now, there are certain people that I am very, very, very blatantly transparent with. And I'm not saying get out on social media and share every dark secret in your life. That's not what I'm getting after. What I am saying is if you don't have a close friend, if you don't have a confidant, you need to find one. I promise you there's friends out there for you. There's people that will listen to you. 
And when you find those people, you need to share with them who you are on the inside, not just the exterior version. You need to show them that it's okay to have cracks in your armor. It's okay to be a little different. It's okay to not be the tough guy all the time. And these things are important because as we grow as human beings, as we grow as adults, you know, we're going to have days where, man, we just feel like we can't keep going. We can't carry on. We're, we're, you know, I have it today. I still today, I have these days from time to time that, man, I just wish I could talk to my dad. And, and I've been married, happily married for the last five years to a beautiful woman. But I still have days that sometimes I wish I could talk to Dina about. And it's nothing against my wife. It's just there's things between a man and a woman. There's certain things that happen in a marriage. There's things that I wish I could show and I could explain. And I could, you know, frankly, there's things I wish I could do over in a lot of cases. Now, God blessed me. God gave me another opportunity. But even if he hadn't, he'd still be God. I'd still be where I'm at right now. God saved me for a reason. He saved me so I could have these kind of conversations. You know, he saved me so, you know, when when I have a rough week, I can go back and look. And, you know, even at the Christmas story, you know, I was reading this this morning. You know, when Gabriel's talking to Mary and Mary's scared to death, Gabriel tells her, do not be afraid. You know? And, and man, there's times that I wish, I, and I can remember when I was a little fella, my dad, I'd be in a certain situation. My dad would say, son, don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm going to catch you. You know, I can remember as a little fella being up on, not a little fella, but as a teenager, being on the roof of my parents' house, hanging Christmas lights. And my dad telling me, son, don't be afraid to get by the edge. If you fall, I'll catch you. And I used to think, no, he wouldn't. He'd let me fall, hit the ground so he could, him and my uncle could laugh at me because nine times out of ten, they were on the ground. I was the one up on the house. But that's what parents are for. They're there to catch us. And God's the same way, man. We just have to have the, we have to have the knowledge to not be afraid. And that, and that goes with anything that we, we, we attempt. That's anything that we face. We just have to have that knowledge that we're not going to be afraid. I'm not going to tarry very much longer. Um, I'm going to try to do this more often because I really enjoy it. I get a, I get, I get something out of it. I learn things about myself that I've never thought about when I do this kind of stuff. So I really appreciate it. If you get to listen to this, you know, and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please, 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 please. Find somebody to talk about Jesus with. Find somebody to learn about the Lord with. You know, take it from one old redneck guy from Alabama. I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. And you can be too. Y'all have a great day and a Merry Christmas. And I hope to talk to you all again here soon. This has been Matt Mosley with Dry Bones. Thank you.